Our sermon for this morning is the second in our series on aspiring for spiritual greatness. And it involves several things that are the greatest things that we are taught in Scripture. Last week we talked about the greatness of humility and how only those who are great or only those who are humble will be in the kingdom. Today's lesson is going to be about the greatest sacrifice. Next week we'll talk about the greatest gift, that being love. And our fourth lesson in the series will also be our open house. That will be on the greatest command, loving God and loving others. So I hope you'll be here for, for all the lessons in this series. As we look today at the greatest sacrifice, I think we universally understand as Christians that the greatest sacrifice ever given was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. As we look at sacrifices overall, we understand that sacrifices have been made since the beginning of time, really. We know that in the, the old law we see that, that sacrifices were made as a way of atoning for sin. God's people were commanded to offer sacrifices which never completely took away the sins. There was always a reminder of those from year to year as we're told in the book of Hebrews. But they were commanded to make these sacrifices, these animal sacrifices as an offering to God. Today we give God more of an offering, I would say, than sacrifice in our worship and in our time and things of that nature. And though we may sacrifice certain things for God or for our families, it can never compare to the greatest of sacrifices ever given. Our lesson objectives for this morning are to learn about the greatest sacrifice and why it is the greatest sacrifice. And also to learn the result of the greatest sacrifice being made. What we gain from that greatest of sacrifices being offered. Let's look first at the sacrifice itself. The greatest sacrifice is actually a sacrifice that is twofold. First, I want us to notice the sacrifice that it was for God. God offered this greatest of sacrifices. God gave His Son because He loved man. I feel like we use this verse in, in most of the sermons that I've done in the last few weeks and months. John three sixteen and verse... 17 also. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be Saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only 
begotten Son. We understand that Jesus came for no other purpose than to do His Father's will. John chapter 5 and verse 30, He says, I can of Myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and My judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek My own will, but the will of the Father who sent Me. Jesus came to do His Father's will. So as we look at this greatest of sacrifice, we see it was a great sacrifice on behalf of God. But we also see within it the sacrifice of Jesus Christ Himself. We read of His death in all four of the gospel accounts. But in Mark chapter 15, let's look at verses 33 through 39. Mark 15, beginning with verse 33. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by, when they heard that, said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Can you imagine the sacrifice that Jesus offered on the cross? He said, My God, my God, why have... You've forsaken me. This was a quote from one of the Psalms. I'm not quite convinced that God had completely forsaken Jesus here. It never said that He actually forsook Him. And looking at the Psalm that it, that it actually quotes, we see that God had not forsaken. We see His providence in all things. We see... His guidance and His comfort. But certainly as Jesus was on that cross, think of all that He suffered for us. Think of all the, the things that He'd endured going from His trial to being beaten and punished and, and forced to carry this cross. 
hanging on that cross, being nailed to it, the crown of thorns on his brow, the blood coming out of him. In that time that he was on the cross, struggling for breath, Jesus went through so much on our behalf. And finally, when He had breathed His last, I think at least most of those, if not all, that crucified Him realized who He was. Truly, this man was the Son of God Jesus offered His own life as a sacrifice for ours, for our spiritual being, so that we might not die. In regard to the request that James and John sit on either side of Christ in the kingdom, He said this in Matthew 20, verses 27-28, And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. That's what Jesus did. That was His sacrifice for us. Without the sacrifice of Christ, man would be eternally lost. We understand this sacrifice to be of a great magnitude because of who it was for. Jesus died for the sins of the world as one of the ways in which it was the greatest of sacrifices. Let's look at some other reasons as to why this sacrifice is the greatest. Why this sacrifice is the greatest. First of all, we understand from Scripture that the Old Covenant was put to death through His sacrifice. Hebrews 8, verses 7 through 13. Hebrews 8, beginning with verse 7, says this. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them... He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, 
and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that He says a new covenant, He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. In Colossians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 it says this. Colossians 2 beginning with verse 11. In Him you were also cir circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God. <clears throat> who raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. As we look at this old law and we look at the requirements of it, it never took away the sins of those offering such sacrifices. There had to be a new covenant, a new law in which those sins could be taken away. And the only way that that could come was through Christ. As we look at, at, at law versus life, we read this in Galatians chapter 2 verses 19 through 21. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. We are crucified with Christ in our obedience to the plan of salvation. In our baptism for the remission of sins, we are buried. Having already put away the, the old man, having repented, and died to that old man, we are buried in baptism. And we are raised to walk in the newness of life. We see that the old law was done away with. A new law was established through Christ's death on the cross. A law through which we find remission of sins. As we look at, at what was under the old law, we understand that animal sacrifices were a part of that. Let's look at, at Christ's blood and how it did away with those animal sacrifices. We understand, as I mentioned earlier in this lesson that animal sacrifices can never take away the sins of the world. 
Hebrews 10 verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Hebrews 10 and verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Jesus said this to His Father in the next few verses. Hebrews 10, verses 5-7. through 7. Therefore, when He came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. According to the words of Jesus, God had prepared a perfect sacrifice. He had prepared for His Son a body that would be sacrificed on earth. We understand that Jesus lived a perfect life. He was without sin and that made Him the perfect sacrifice because He was without blemish. Jesus offered Himself for us. He did away with these animal sacrifices and, and the old law in which they were under. All those things were put to death when He was. Only Jesus could take away the old law the reminder of sins and the sacrifices that had to be made for the people. Only He could do that with the shedding of His own blood. Again, we see it was the greatest sacrifice ever made. But what does this mean for us as Christians? Having this greatest of sacrifices offered on our behalf, what does it mean for us as Christian. Let's look at the result of the sacrifice. We see that the death of Christ means our life in Him. Because of Christ's death, Paul was not ashamed to proclaim the gospel message. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, we read this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel 
according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to, our, to His own purpose and grace, <clears throat> which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. He invites Timothy, he invites us to share in the sufferings that he suffers for the gospel. To spread the gospel message, to make sure that people know that Christ gave His life for them. We have been recreated. We have been reconciled to God through Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Through Christ, through His sacrifice, we have been reconciled to God. The only way that we can come before God is through the blood of Christ and through its cleansing power. Through Jesus, we have been recreated. We have been given new life. Jesus' death is equal to our life. Had it not been for His death, this new life would not be possible. We also understand that his death means our salvation and ultimately eternal life. If it was not for His death, these things would not be possible. We find new life in Christ. Romans 6 verses 5 through 11. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for He who has died has been freed from sin. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. We gain eternal life if we live for Him. Jude verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Eternal life is ours through the sacrifice of Christ. We have also been given responsibility in our own salvation. We must keep His commandments. We must be obedient to the Word of God. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, verses 9 and 10, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love if you keep my commandments. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Salvation and eternal life come through the death of Christ. They come through His sacrifice. It would not be possible for us otherwise. The cross that Jesus was on, I realized I deserved that punishment. I earned that punishment because of my deeds. But Jesus, offering the greatest of sacrifices, took on my punishment, my shame, my humiliation, my sin. He went to the cross so I wouldn't have to. And He did the same for you as He did for me. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend." We may have those on earth that are willing to give their lives for, for us. But no greater love can be understood than the love of Christ and the love of God for mankind. Laying down His life for His friends, for us, He offered the greatest sacrifice ever made. The question is, are you living your life for Him? And we're told in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we looked at this in Bible class briefly, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Are you offering your life to God? Are you living in such a way as to offer your life as a living sacrifice? Remaining holy. Living in such a way as to be acceptable to Him. Understanding that as Jesus gave His life for us, the least that we can do is offer our lives to Him. I think we may all realize that there are ways in which we live. There are things that we do that are not pleasing to God. But when we do those things that are wrong, we understand that we have forgiveness through Christ. Yes, Jesus offered the greatest sacrifice for us. He offered His own life so that we could be reconciled to God. But are you living in such a way as to live for Him? Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you need to come and offer your life through repentance, confession, baptism, for remission of sins. Beginning a life lived for God. Maybe it is that, that as a Christian you've not remained faithful and you need to come back and ask for forgiveness or prayers on your behalf. Or maybe it is that that you realize that you just don't have the strength on your own to face the world. If you need to come back and rededicate your life to Him, we can help you with that also. But if you have any need whatsoever, whether you need to come in obedience or repentance, if there's something that we can do to help you to be in Christ, today. Let us help you as together we stand and as we sing.